Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God for our meditation this morning comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death, until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. You may be seated. Thus far, God's holy word. In the name of Christ, who gave up His life, so, so that you may receive life, dear fellow redeemed. A paradox is defined as a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, and yet is true. An example of a paradox would be, this statement is a lie. The more you think about it, the more it might make your head hurt. That is often the case with paradoxes. But did you know that the Bible contains many paradoxes? In 2 Corinthians 6, Paul wrote, We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known. As dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. He also wrote in Philippians 3, 7, But whatever whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Even Jesus said, Let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. Our text for this morning contains a couple paradoxes. And these paradoxes are important because they describe the true nature of salvation. They are the gospel paradox, God's unexpected plan for salvation. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. After Peter and the other disciples had made the confession of faith that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus found it the right time to share with them everything that must happen to him. He began to reveal to them the true nature of his mission on this earth 
as well as how this would be accomplished. He must suffer at the hands of his enemies, be put to death, but also to be raised again from the dead. And this was enough for Peter. The one who so boldly confessed who Jesus was stumbled at this paradox. Jesus, his beloved master and teacher, must die? That made no sense at all to him. But this should be no surprise because Peter had the sh same shortcomings that we have, a sinful flesh. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. In man's natural state without faith, what must happen to Jesus is foolishness. In man's experience, sorrow and loss are the only things that can come from death, not life. And you could see how Peter was simply looking out for Jesus, not wanting any harm to come to him. But Jesus makes it very clear that whatever Peter's good intent was, it came from Satan because it stood in the way of God's will. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. While this might seem like extraordinarily harsh words from the Savior, it rings true. Peter's words may just as well have been spoken by Satan himself because they stood in the way of Jesus and his mission, the cross. When the Bible says Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer, the word that's translated, he must go, literally means it is necessary. Anything else would be a failure. What then was Peter missing here? It's the same problem that we also neglect, the true nature of our sin. If you ask a random person walking down the street how they think that they will be let into heaven, chances are they would say something like, because I have done some good things in my life. And that is a natural response of every human being. The idea is that we have some good within us that we are able to contribute for our salvation. The good things that we do must count for something. But that is the exact opposite of what God reveals about the true nature of our sin. Paul writes in Romans 5, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. There is not one of us who stands exempt from sin. We are all guilty for failing to do what God has commanded us to do, for doing what God has not commanded us to do, but has commanded us not to do. And even for the wicked thoughts that creep into our heart. Death is the result of that sin. Sin shreds any right to life and any claim to righteousness. 
Jesus says towards the end of our text, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. If Jesus were to come right now and judge you and me based on our works, what would your reaction be? Terror and dread. Even Peter knows that our works stand useless in the presence of a holy God, holy that is perfect, without sin, holy, righteous, and just, compared to me, helpless, sinful, holy, corrupt, and twisted. The true nature of our sin puts us into the line of fire of God's righteous judgment. But this is where the gospel paradox comes in. This is why it was necessary for Jesus to suffer and to be crucified. While our sin puts us under God's curse and not his mercy, Paul writes in Galatians, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus became a curse for you, for Peter, and for me, so that God's punishment would fall squarely on his shoulders and not yours. It was necessary for him to go to the cross so that you and I could stand under the cross and be washed by the blood of the innocent Lamb of God. Be washed spotless, so that when Jesus does come with his angels to repay each according to his works, you stand righteous before him. God will see a holy, perfect, and innocent child of God who has only done right in his eyes. In the case of Jesus, and only Jesus, Life comes from death. This is true because of one important part of Jesus' mission. He will be raised on the third day. This was a proof that Jesus gave to his disciples and to you and me today that he is speaking the truth and that he is speaking on behalf of God. If Jesus rose from the dead, then he accomplished his mission. He spoke the truth that he has brought salvation for man and that God has accepted his payment for the sins of the whole world. Jesus' resurrection is your proof that you stand forgiven before God and can eagerly await his second coming. And this leads us to another paradox. Jesus explains denial of self means to follow him. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. To believe on Jesus for salvation means to lose every sense of self. This is not to say that you must lose your sense of personality and individuality, but rather to lose any idea that we can stand on our own. To deny self is a daily reminder that we must wholly lean on God's mercy and grace alone. While we walk this earth, we yet have our sinful flesh. 
It is that sinful flesh that will want to take over control of your soul in order to save itself. My sinful flesh does not deny self, but it indulges self. It says, I am better than others, and that has to be worth something. But this, it is this attitude that, as Jesus says, will cause one to lose his life. Anything less than a complete reliance on God for salvation is an attempt to save your own life, which will always end in the loss of your life eternally. Living a life of self-denial, as Luther puts it, is daily contrition and repentance. It is a mindset of every Christian who understands by faith that Jesus is taking care of everything for me, that your life stems from his death. By faith, you take up the cross of this life, that is the trials and difficulties that may come, financial trouble, health problems, incurable diseases, harsh realities of death. All these are, a re- are part of living on the sinful earth as sinful people. The difference is you have an answer to these problems that God gives you. God is working all things for your benefit. Though we must go through some very troublesome times, even when it seems like the world is getting along just fine, you have the utmost confidence that your Heavenly Father will carry you you through. He will exchange your sorrow for inexplicable joy. He will bring you life because your Savior chose death in your place. And how can you be certain? Read through the Bible. Count the number of times that God has made a promise or prediction and it came true exactly as he said. And it will not take you very long to see that God is true to his word. And it is no different with the gospel paradox. It doesn't make sense to our human reason. But by faith, it is the most glorious and blessed truth that you will ever know. Jesus chose a path of suffering and death so that from his death, there might come life for all who believe in him. You have life in this gospel paradox. Life that though it be troublesome now, those troubles will be overshadowed by the glory and peace that belongs even now to you, in part, but will be fully realized in the life to come. Amen.